0: And welcome back to the Masters of Modern, the MMCast YouTube channel podcast experience. I'm your host, Alex Kessler, here with
1: my co-host, Ben Bateman. Who's What's back? up, everybody? I'm back. I'm back. Excited to talk about the set. Excited to talk about magic with y'all. We are on the streets of New
0: Capenna. We're, we're you know, doing some heists, climbing about, going to some swanky parties. Uh, talking to some dames, uh, drinking that halo, uh, you know, living living the life of a 1920s gangster criminal. I got a That's,
1: sweet trench coat. I got a nice fedora. The
0: pinstripe uh, suit is the, is a real the wide,
1: a I got a real wide tie. Big uh, collar. <laughs> yeah, big collar. I'm waiting to run around a corner and have my ankles tied up by like a batarang. Yep, um, yep, yep. There's shadows everywhere that are incredibly artistic.
0: The, the uh, like one of the things I think that's funny is in this world of New Capenna is that like, you know, magic has the no gun rule, but they have finger guns. Yeah. Okay.
1: That's how they've gone away with it. So instead of guns, you just, you just finger guns. I will tell you one of the things, one of the cards, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but the new, or no, we won't talk about it because it's a, just a secret layer, but the art on Brea on that secret layer is so dope. Yes, it's one yeah. of the single coolest magic cards I've ever seen. And I'm obsessed with that card anyway. Uh, I'm 100% going to have to get my hands on that Brea. That's one, of, that's one of the coolest versions of a card that I love I've maybe ever seen. Like, yeah. It's such an awesome design. No, it, like the like the design and vibe of this set is is top
0: tier. It's like it, you know, it's it's in string you at the beginning uh during the Patreon pre-show which uh if you don't already subscribe to our Patreon, you're missing out on a chance to get at least 15 minutes and today it was 20 minutes worth of bonus extra content where we mm-hmm. talked about all things we talked about Batman, we talked about who What the best Gotham is? I had a hot take there. Which the best Gotham shown in movies is? We talked about the history of Robin. You could you could be experiencing all of that content if you just donate to our Patreon. Five dollars, five dollars a month. There's all this stuff you get. Finger guns. You get early episode releases. You get the full. Uh, edited episode on Monday, a day before it comes out everywhere else. Uh, you get a line of communication to us that's pretty, pretty obligated, obligatorily direct. Uh, obligatorily. All <laughs> Yeah, we will follow you on at the ten dollar level. I believe we follow you with like six different social media platforms. Uh, so there's a lot to get there. Definitely check the Patreon out. I'll link in below. Um, also, a big shout out to Ultra Pro. Thank you so much for sponsoring this podcast and the stream uh, that we do every Monday night. We play Commander and Modern. We're doing uh, one Modern game a month, and then. Uh, three commander games uh, a month. Uh, we had awesome guests. Rebel was on along with uh, Carson and Ben. Ben was there uh, last Monday and uh, just keep having guests roll through, which is really exciting. Uh, but no more shouts out. So let's talk. One of the, one of the things when we talked, you know, bringing up Batman, which is the reason I, you know, segued into a whole thing about our Patreon uh, is um like how much influence this set has from the Batman animated series, right? Like specifically (laughs) the vibes of that up to and including that the uh, one of the main posters for New Capenna is a skyward-facing upward shot of the skyscrapers, then the shape of the Planeswalker symbol, which is famously done, I believe, for the Dark Knight Rises with the Batman symbol as the logo, right?
1: Isn't that... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one you're thinking of where it's looking up through the up through the skyscrapers.
0: And it has like the bat symbol spelled out with the peaks of of the skyscrapers.
1: One of the cooler designs of any of the like marketing. I thought that was like one of the more awesome things. Yeah. Yeah. We just like moment of silence, pour one out for how good those movies are really like real fast. There's been a lot of like comparing and like this new one was so good and like the just the trilogy and all that. But like I love Dark Knight Rises. Those movies are so good. Like as a trilogy, it's like it's it's insane that the trilogy is as entertaining to watch as it is on the whole. Like all three movies are very, very, very enjoyable. You can you can call out the flaws that you want, but like it's a pretty big success in my opinion. Huge fan. They're really
0: good. Like I have my issues with Dark Knight Rises, but uh, are you drinking
1: alcohol right now? Is that a thing that's happening? No. no.
0: So I uh, was invited. To some swanky new Capenna parties uh, uh, by by our friends at Wizards of the Coast. <laughs> that I'm was, so Jay. I'm so Jay right anyway. now. Uh, I got a preview card. That preview card we will talk about today on this podcast. Uh, although I guess we won't because it, <laughs> it's the early show. Well, it's it'll it is on our YouTube channel. It's on. You can check it out. It came out. It came out on Saturday, uh, on the due date of my child, which hasn't. We don't know if they're that they have arrived yet. So that's going to be an interesting sharing experience. But um, so uh. They gave me a preview card. They gave me this awesome box. It came with this fancy, fancy new Capenna uh, flute glass. Uh, I'm drinking some Beach Plum LaCroix, which if you haven't had it, tastes identical to uh, a uh, Capri Sun. I don't know how they did it. It's very weird. But uh, they gave me some glitter. I don't know if it's edible. Uh, It's got Halo on it, and it looks like it's probably edible, but I'm afraid of just drinking glitter. I guess we could... Put it in this glass. Let's let's do it. Am I allowed to eat this halo dust? Which is this cool glitter that came with it? I'm gonna get glitter all over my computer. All right, we're gonna pour it in my Lacroix
1: halo dust.
0: Let's. let's uh Oh, wow. I think you are supposed to do it because it definitely changed to this really pretty blue color.
1: Oh wow! As it's bubbling on top. Look at that. So from, from where I'm sitting, which the it's very pixelated, it looks uh very cool yeah oh
0: it's making like cool bubbly sounds all right all right i think i was supposed to do this
1: audience i'm just as jealous as you right now
0: this is really dope i'm excited that i was (laughs) able to, (laughs) to reveal that on camera uh and hopefully uh when i drink this in a second it doesn't kill me i mean according to the story it makes you stronger uh so it came in this giant cool octagon box I, I don't know if anyone bought from like the it has like the like all these different compartments for each group. I chose Maestro, so all my stuff was in that one. It's upside down. Uh I chose my Astro, so mine was in there, but there was like little invitations from each of the different uh groups, kind of giving you a little blurb on who they are. And then I got a dope, uh Maestro coin and uh a pin. So I'll be I'll be repping them with uh my boy Xander. <laughs> Rest in peace. Uh through, throughout many, uh, many a thing that's going on. All right. Time to drink my blue glitter.
1: Very cool. Alex has been. Uh, oh, posting- tastes great.
0: It don't taste like nothing. It tastes like. It tastes, well, like-, it tastes <laughs> like it tastes like a Capri Sun. <laughs> what it
1: tastes like if you guys have not uh, been following Alex on the two social media accounts that he's most active, Twitter and TikTok, uh, he has been interacting with the community as much as I've ever seen him do. And uh, it's been awesome. A lot of tons of growth and also it's exciting that you were sent this product to reveal. We don't usually get things like that. I think it's as much as you. We did get to do for Calhoun. We each got like those album
0: concert boxes, which were cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The sweet shirt. I wear that shirt. I'm going to have like a glitter on my mouth for this entire podcast. Uh, But yeah, so so thank you, Wizards, for that. That was awesome. Thank you so much for the free preview card as well. And uh, if you want to watch a video of us breaking that down, that is actually on the YouTube channel now. It came out on Saturday. So make sure to check that out. Beyond that, just beyond the vibe we've also got a lot of powerful cards so we're recording this on thursday this was after the big stream reveal uh with joe johnson and a lot of really cool cards came out i guess the first thing i want to talk about is ben the the a cycle has been completed yes you actually get pretty regularly a request to do the complete cycle like our uncompleted cycles uh, podcast episode, which we will do, but they're doing a really good job at completing
1: all of these cycles. Didn't we do one a long, didn't we do one a long time ago? And it was
0: like a really popular episode. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's why it, we still get comments on the other, the old YouTube channel that that was posted to. Uh, and the, the, the cycle that we, the triumphs we have, yeah. we have the final five triumphs there. There are the cycle of different groups, headquarters. You got, Jetmere's Garden, Zayatora's Proving Ground, Xander's Lounge, Rafin's Tower, and Spars Headquarters. There, I mean, the like it. I am surprised how much. I mean, I'm not surprised, but I'm surprised how often these see play in modern in and then in pretty much every other format. One of the probably the most powerful land cycles ever printed. Surprisingly so, right? Like, because, like, the, the
1: make the note tri- of this, guys. While this set is in standard, these are going to plummet and they'll be slightly more expensive than the last ones were when they were in standard because of what happened with the previous triumphs. Don't get scared away. If they should be $4 and they're $7, buy your play sets now because I promise you, in a year's time, every single one of these is going to be 15 to 20 bucks because every new player that plays Magic and wants to play Commander just wants these cards. They're yep. the best possible thing you can be doing. In most multicolor commander decks, uh, and also, yeah, as you said, they're they're played as one and two of in a bunch of modern decks. Like, they're definitely good to have. I think they'll be a little less expensive because now that there's more options, people can play the exact combination.
0: Oh, 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 oh! You mean more options? Yeah, 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 I see what you mean. It's the it's the fetch land effect where, like fetch lands for a while it became less expensive when cons came out because now that there was 10 fetch land options you no longer had to play weird off-color fetches yes exactly your jund deck didn't need to play you know or or i guess Jund is a bad example because you were were playing through yeah but your jund, your jund deck didn't play like arid mesas because it could now play the Rakdos. what's the red black fetch land bloodstain Blood mire let yeah you can play bloodstain mire so like interesting effect that can happen uh yeah i don't know i'm i'm excited by uh you know the ability to get these lands cycling is always really powerful right it's interesting because cycling oh, is now officially deciduous it's now just available to put in
1: any set they've realized which is cool it's a good it's a good design choice because it's it's a good design choice because it, it's another one of those optionality things that we've talked about where cards are good earlier they're good late there's nothing more satisfying in magic than drawing cards when you have no action so the more cards that have the ability to do something to draw you a card when you are stalled the better like right. It's, in some in some ways, there's a. It's good that it's not this way, but there's a version of Magic that could have been designed where every single card in Magic's history had cycling on some level. Every card ever just had cycling for one of its of its respective color. At a sure, sure, sure. Like just you never th- have a dead card in Magic. Yes. There's like a version of magic that could have existed that way that would have actually been probably fine. I don't think it would have been as good of a game, but there's a reason that it's as popular as it is now. It just moves the game along and it keeps players that don't have anything to do playing. Yeah, I think I think there is a a
0: power level scale by having cards that are only good at in certain moments, but are very powerful in those moments. And cycling makes it harder to cost to those cards.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Right?
0: So I think that's that's the one reason. Yeah, uh, one reason it would be worse, right? So so speaking of cycling, let's talk about the five. E. So so different from so Strixhaven was the one of the first times they've done a um, faction set where they didn't have a mechanic per faction, right? They like were trying that out not surprisingly like that's the first time they did it and they wanted to see what the reaction to that was so this time around we do have a mechanic per faction uh and one of the things we're going to be talking about this episode is each of those factions uh so so the the first mechanic we're going to be talking about is the esper mechanic and maybe we can kind of yeah the esper mechanic and that is connive and connive basically is uh well you a creature will connive or you can connive a, a creature and when that creature connives it, uh, you draw X cards, whatever that number So it's connive four. You'll draw four cards and discard four cards. And then that creature gets a plus one plus one counter on it for every non land card you discarded. Uh, so it's a little plus one plus one counters themed. It's a little, you know, it's a looting mechanic. It's a, uh, uh it's a different kind of spin on both of those sides of that thing, which is really cool. It, it does focus a little bit on attacking, but it is about gaining information to attack your opponent better than you would have. It does make it so you're benefit from discarding non land spells. So it does, uh, you know, I would imagine we're going to get some cool stuff that plays out of the graveyard a little bit with them already with their charm. There is like a reanimate creatures three or less mechanic in there, which I think we've seen another card do that. So I can see that being a part of what they're doing. Um, But yeah, what do you think? What do you think of this mechanic?
1: So connive states, uh, the number connive is, and, and it's, it's, the, that's the number of counters, the number of cards. It's, it's your, you draw and discard that many cards on, upon attack. And for so every, if it's, so if it's it, connive, it's if counter. it's
0: connive two, you, yep. when this creature attacks, you draw two cards okay. and then discard two cards. And then and for every
1: non land, one of those, the creature gets a plus one plus one counter. Correct. So correct. So if you were to discard two instants in sorceries, the creature would get two plus one most encounters. Yeah. It happens on attack. Um, I, and it's, it's optional. It's May. Draw a card. No, it's not. It, it, well, if a creature is conniving, you have to draw the cards. Got it. um I think it's an interesting mechanic. I think it's cool. You know, it triggers on attack, so it's going to make for a you know an interesting limited mechanic for sure. I think there will be probably situations where unlimited. It's like you know you're attacking and you draw and you discard and while well, the counters are before the counters are placed on the creature, now that you've discarded your online cards, your opponent's going to kill the creature in response and. You've discarded your action to try to get in for the kill. I can see where the combat math is going to be interesting on that one. Um, I think it's a, it doesn't feel like an overtly powerful mechanic. It feels like a cool mechanic that sure. I think is good because it lets you go through your deck and it feels like a blue mechanic, obviously, because looting is pretty blue and there's a large element of this that is looting. Yeah, I
0: think I think like I've I've said it before and I'll say it again. I don't think there's very many opportunities where just looting is not always better than not looting. Yeah, Like your deck has to be very low for it to be bad because the worst case scenario, like I guess like the one, the only other case I can think of is you are playing a combo deck where you're trying to get exactly two cards into your hand and you have one of them in your hand. Then right. looting is bad because if you loot and you find the other piece, you're going to have to get rid of one of them. That's like right. the one time in a regular deck that you're not fighting a mill or a long term don't draw your whole deck out strategy uh that you don't you like you'll choose not to loot but i i think that like as long as this is being paired with graveyard shenanigans which in standard there the esper side does have a lot of right you have you have because of innistrad and crimson valley you get a lot of that in modern there's a lot of really like esper reanimator shenanigans you can do with this mechanic if it's if it's costed right if you have um any of the abilities to like Play with flashback cards like lingering souls is in these colors right so like a black yeah, white sure. conniving to one drop or whatever that like lets you play lingering souls on turn two is gas so yeah that seems powerful so i definitely think like always interesting to look at i do think so we'll, we'll just kind of like talk about each faction i think holistically so we're talking about the obscure first uh their their uh legendary creep they're they're like leader the leader of the obscure is rafine scheming seer and it's white blue black for a sphinx demon uh, one 4 they're all demons it has flying and ward one uh, and whenever you attack target attacking creature connives x where x is the number of attacking creatures my guess is this is maybe the only one with x as a connive right like it's the only one that can do a modular version but it's a three mana flyer that can get pretty big with protection right like it has like uh you can't target this unless you pay one mana extra it's pretty
1: aggressively costed it's a three mana one four flyer already that just on its first attack is, you know, allow you to loot and just turn it into a two five like that's just on its own. That's a dork, yeah, yeah. If, if you've curved out into this card at all, like it's there's a world in which you're one drop, two drop, discard, attack, loot three times, you're attacking with a four six flyer. And this card has ward and it's out of range of getting killed pretty fast.
0: Well, um, and, no. and and the connive trigger, because conniving doesn't need you to attack, right? It's 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 on any creature attacking. So you don't need Rafine to attack. You can get value off of that ability with your one and two drop right if you just if you play a two if you play stoneforge mystic and then you play this and you just attack with your stoneforge mystic you get to connive with your your stoneforge mystic now gets to be a uh a a two three or whatever right on turn two and that's like stoneforge mystic you're fetching for something but like pick a creature two drop that you play that you can now gain value out of
1: no that's interesting yeah i think this card's cool for modern it doesn't feel immediately like a card that would be that would fit into that kind of uh low to the ground strategy, but I could see, yeah, I don't know if this card, well, it's a good card though. I like it. I, I don't know if I see it fitting into a modern deck, but I think it's a good card. It, it's
0: like, it's close, right? I, the one like the CDH community already thinks this is like, a, mind you, it's white and blue or it's blue and black. So like on, automatically this can just play Thassa's Oracle, uh, demonic consultation combo yeah, in it. So like, okay, that's good. It's an evasive beater, which is also good for that format. And it also has A draw, you know, a a draw and discard effect, which that format can take advantage of. Right. Like getting rid of the like all of the mana ramp you don't need anymore to get into like spells that are relevant is like not a bad thing. Uh, And like white's pretty underrated in CDH just because of like all the really good hate creatures you can play that are like very good there. The other cool card that I want to bring up, though, is uh, Nimble larcenist, uh, which is blue, Cards. white, black, 2-1 yep. uh, bird rogue. Flying when Nimble Larsenist enters the battlefield, target opponent reveals their hand. You choose an artifact, instant, or sorcery card from
1: it and exile that card. A couple things to point out about this card, Alex. First of all, <laughs> the card doesn't go back to their hand when this card leaves play. It just gets exiled. That's the <laughs> first thing to point out. Secondly, it's not a cast trigger. It's an ETB trigger. So now you're talking about an ETB trigger that gets rid of the card permanently that is blinkable. Mm-hmm. It's a rogue. Mm-hmm. It's a two it's a two power evasive creature now it is triple color and i think that in the rogue mechanic the one thing that screams to me that this card is not good enough for competitive play is that it costs three and it's in three different colors and if you're going to spend three in a rogue's deck there's a lot of good stuff you can do but for instance as good as like the the x the uh the x power rogue that has lifelink that they printed and that card's really good the one that's like equal to the number of Cards in their graveyard or I can't remember it, what it's,
0: it does. It, it's a I think creature types in their graveyard or are hard like types in their graveyard
1: yeah it's a great card I've, I've won a lot of games with that card it's good as that card is uh this is still kind of better than that card in some ways just because it has it's disruptive and we all know that when it comes to tribal decks disruption is more important than pound for pound power yeah um, you know like, you know, like
0: sin collector has seen modern play now it does have the human creature type which this has burden rogue which are weirdly Uh, Which are a little less relevant. Rogue is relevant, and this ability is never going to be terrible. It does do artifacts, which uh, Sin Collector only did instance and sorcery, so that's even an extra step above that, which is really good. I also think, like, if I were to like list out creature types that have not seen competitive modern play but could one day, birds wouldn't be very low on that list. Yeah, true. In every set, there's randomly very powerful birds uh even mind sensor is one that comes to mind there are like the moment that we go to a set where like bird tribal is pushed in the way that like human tribal was on innistrad is a moment that we could start seeing weirdly viable options in the same way that elementals in the same way that uh humans and spirits and you know the classics like elves goblins merfolk whatever have gotten it birds get printed regularly enough in a powerful enough way is that the moment they print a modern playable synergistic bird card I, like, like I, I'm, a big,
1: I'm, a, I'm a big fan. I, I I like birds a lot. I think there's quite a few good ones. Also keep in mind this card plays well with unearth. Just saying something stuff is definitely something that is cool in my mind that I would like to be doing with this card is uh, just getting it into play, getting it back from my graveyard. It fits that three CMC nicely. There's a lot of that stuff in this set already.
0: So you you mentioned on Earth, and I do want to bring up the last uh, card uh, that we'll talk about from the Obscura before moving on to uh, the the best uh, group in uh, of all the different organizations. We have uh, Obscura Charm. So charms are back, uh, and this one is I think one of my my two picks for the best one of the of the five charms we've seen. And its options are return target not multicolor uh, permanent card with mana value three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped counter target instant or sorcery spell or destroy target creature or Planeswalker with manual value of three or less. That first ability, it, you know, it lets you get a three-mana Teferi back. It lets you get a Kroxa back. It, like, lets you get a lot of really powerful things back. I think it's, like, to me, it's between this one and another one that we'll talk about a little later. Uh, this one has, like, the more build-around
1: potential with, like, good use case scenarios. Yeah. It's interesting. Esper is being, or Obscura is being designed here to be control that fights control. Uh, This card and the Larcenist both countering instances and sorceries and exiling instances and sorceries. This is very much the we control the spells of the city, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, which is cool. I mean, it makes sense for Esper. It's what Esper's always been. And I think this card's good. I do think one thing that's really interesting about charms, the three color charms specifically that I've noticed over the years is. For them to actually see play they have to be fairly pushed in their power level. Like Archmage's Charm is a good example of a card that is pretty freaking pushed and it took that level of push for a three CMC. But like Esper Charm is that card that everybody always wanted to play and like would always be card number 60. Because I think there's something about the fact that you're spending three mana, it's three different colors, you can't cost reduce it, and you don't get two effects. That means that one of these effects has to be costed at three mana, which is a little tough. I mean, this first one is especially good, like, that top ability is unique, the fact that it's a multicolored permanent. That that's that particular interaction with Teferi in itself is, like, yeah. next leveling this card. Yeah, it's it, for me, it's the first and the last
0: ability. Like the last ability can kind of make it so that there's enough creatures and planeswalkers in the format that you're gonna like at least get parity on level on mana value for holding this yeah. up. Like it all three abilities line up in a way that like maybe this is worth it. Like it's unearthed for three, but it's unearthed at instant speed with alternative use cases, which unearth has yeah. cycling at three. Yeah, I think I think it 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 it's close. It, it also like just as backup unearth, like you can make a Esper list that unearth is your main goal, right? Like I'm playing unearth in this deck and I want to draw unearths and I, this is my fifth unearth. And the reason I'm able to play this is not that I need five unearths, but because I need another spell and then sometimes this can be that that unearth that I need. I think that's like where I'm at on it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. I the, other, I the, would... other
0: thing, the other thing I want to say about the, the charms and I think it's something that like has been a little under lucked with like not adopting stuff like Esper Charm is the elementals and the, the 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 forces that are now in the format yes, right yes, like, yes. this can be pitched to force and negation uh subtlety grief and and uh solitude right like that's that's yep. a lot of different cards that this can angle into being the card you discard for value there and like i think one of the re- issues is that the th- the best three at jeskai jeskai charm is not very good right like yeah, the, the, i think the,
1: brokers brokers charm is probably the other broker's charm is probably the other that's probably the best one i would think right no 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 we're, we're going to talk about the other charms later no no not not for not not in a charm i'm talking about in terms oh, of the oh, oh, color I'm combo fine.
0: yes uh yeah force of creation solitude and and uh, uh because of the forces broker's charm is really good for sure i just
1: yeah exactly the forces and endurance i mean they're both very powerful and very yeah. played a lot i think brokers probably has the most utility in those decks but yeah i think it's a good point you make i do think it's a good point you make all right, now let's go to the next group. The one
0: that I chose to join, the Maestros, uh led by Lord Xander the Collector. Uh their mechanic. They're those handsome horns. Oh, I'm I I, I have them ready. There'll be costumes worn. Uh the mechanic for the Maestros is casualty. And it's uh, a casualty in a number, and then as you cast the spell, you may sacrifice a creature with power. Of that number power three in the case we're looking at or greater and when you do you copy that spell so when you cast a spell with casualty there's a number on it if you sacrifice a creature that has a power larger than the number that's listed or equal to or, or larger you get to copy that spell um the most the most prominent version of using that ability in the set so far is obnixless um, the adversary uh so uh one black red legendary planeswalker Nixilus, uh three loyalty casualty x uh and then on top of that, the copy is not a legendary creature and has the starting loyalty of X. So you can sacrifice any creature when you cash Nexalis. Wow. and whatever its power is, that's the loyalty of the copy. And then you get two. Um, and then he has a plus one. Each opponent loses two life unless they discard a card. If you control a demon or a devil, you gain two life. It has a minus two. Create a one one red devil creature token. Classic. When it dies, do one damage to any target. And then a minus seven target player draws seven cards and loses seven life. My favorite thing I've seen is playing rog- Rotting Registrar on turn three and then Odd Nixilis the adversary on turn four, and then ultimating the copy immediately and drawing seven.
1: <laughs> That's pretty dope. I was going <laughs> to say uh, this card is great. The blue card, a little chat is a great example of like just the coolness of this design. Uh, it's an instant for blue one and it's just casualty one and it's look at the top two cards of your library, put one in your hand and the other on top of your, on the bottom of your library. Yeah. Um, yeah. You just can sacrifice a one, one on turn two and just look at the top four and put two into your hand for two mana. Like there are so many ways. Think, Think about what that, I mean, I don't think you would ever play a colony garden on turn one to make this happen. Oh no, that's a zero one. You'd have to, you'd have to have a one, one, but I mean, there's plenty of one ones that are, you can just play a young wolf on turn one. And literally on turn two, end of turn, you just sacrifice your young wolf, make it into a two-two. Look at the top four, put two of them in your hand. It's yep. pretty good. Yep, this card, that really card's good. good, and it's a cool, it's a cool ability.
0: Yeah, for sure. Like it, it, I think it has a lot of potential. It's probably going to be one of the ones that gets really underrated. And then like later, you're like, oh wait, because like exploit was always really close to being Agreed, super playable yeah. has been playable. Uh, and this is like exploit, but you get the effect regardless.
1: Yeah, I like, I like it. It's kind of like, it's kind of like
0: how like flashback has always been better than aftermath, right? Because getting the card, getting the card you want twice is a more consistent, reliable option than getting two different cards. Right, right. Now, now the leader of this group is Lord Xander, the Collector. Uh, my boy, four blue, black, red, six, six, vampire, demon, noble. When Lord Xander, the Collector, enters the battlefield, target opponent discards half of their cards in their hand, rounded down. When Lord Xander attacks, defending player mills, half of their library, rounded down. And when Lord Xander dies, target opponent sacrifices half the non-land permanents they control, rounded down. This is That's the-
1: very good. You played it against me on Monday in Commander. Uh, it's a royal pain in the butt it's a little expensive but it's a cool card and I also think that the design of this card with like the so staff dope. the fur coat the horns like it's just like if this it, like if of all the characters they're introducing here if they made a movie out of this set this character would be wonderful and it would be played by Michael Fassbender and he would or or Peter Stormare can you imagine if Peter Stormare <laughs> the theme, yeah. played Lord Xander he'd be incredible
0: I'm gonna have this out. Uh, uh the, the preview card video I posted had me wearing a cosplay as close as I could possibly duct tape together to pull this out, this look off. Cause I'm 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 excited. So I I did get to play. It, his ability is really interesting. It was like the internet's response to him had the largest differential between this is the meanest ban on site, this card can't be printed card ever, to like this card is trash. And is bad and people shouldn't play it. I think in 1v1, it's really interesting because as a reanimated reanimation target, uh, it has the vampire subtype and it allows Soren, the three mana one from M21 M 20 to directly into play, put him into play on turn three. So he is like a so if you're building a weird vampire reanimator deck or just a vampire
1: tribal deck that plays that Soren, this could be your weird top end card. I mean, this is the best card I can think of for that deck. When I built that sor, I built a Soren deck in modern at one point that I was trying to make happen, and I put the remember the Chancellor, the black one, Chancellor of the Dross. Yes, which I think you, I think it's a drain game three. three if you ever open, open your hand, one. yeah. And I played that in the Soren deck because, like, it seemed like a perfectly reasonable card to like get a cheap pop up of, and then just put directly into play. Yep, yep, yep. I, yeah, he's um.
0: Like being able to discard, like, like the, the the thing you have to remember is like discarding someone's hand by half, rounded down, it means at best you're most of the time you're getting two cards. If yeah. you're lucky, you're getting three cards, or they're a greedy deck, right? Or or they're doing something specific that lets them maximize their hand size in some way, and then they deserve whatever is coming to them. Most like, and, and if it's t- less than two, if it's you know if they have one card left, nothing happens. Milling their card deck in half is cool like cards that like you didn't even see that are in the deck is the is the the guild mage the demir one the, the one Dimir that whenever a player mills a card they lose a life
1: oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. the dust mantle, Dusk,
0: Dusk mantle guild mage is in there right and like being able to like dust mantle guild mage into lord xander is like 30 damage on attack that's like yeah. some of the cool stuff you can do <laughs> like milling by half doesn't kill them right you that's, that's the great. one problem is it will never kill someone but you can use that with other cards to do some sweet stuff um which is another like the like a vampire rogues deck that's playing soren and this like combine taking advantage of both halves and then the last ability just like if it dies you make them sack all the primates in commander this card is dope i got to play it it's like super political because you can use all of its abilities that are targeted in like a don't mess with me. Otherwise, I will target you with these things when I eventually sure. pass this. Like it's more it, it's it's a way cooler ability from the theme of the character, right? Like he's like, I'm a wheeler dealer. I own the nightclub. You come to me and I'll hook you up with the right people. And it's like and it plays that way. I, I thought it was pretty cool. And like there's like dumb things you can do with it. But um, is it modern playable? I think like the only viable one is like, yeah, the Soren plan. Like I think he's the best Soren reanimation target ever created or sneak attack target created so far and that makes it interesting uh what yeah. he does is is a mini cruel ultimatum which is also fine
1: <laughs> yeah i mean um through the breach you sacrifice at the end of turn through the breach you do sacri- uh, sacrifice at the end of turn
0: i mean so this that's is cool as good. well because you get you get Or Goro's Vengeance, where you also, or uh, not Goro's Vengeance, Walk of the Gorio, right? Or like... Footsteps of the Gorio, Footsteps of the Gorio. I think you sacrifice at end. Like that's the, that's the hall, the hall, what's the green card? That flash... Protean Hulk? Protean Hulk. The Protean Hulk footsteps deck. Like, that's another one, right? You get to sack it, and then you get to make them sack permanence. But once again, it's only half, so it's, like, weird. As much as I love this guy from a character vibe perspective and in Commander as a Commander, I think he's a lot cooler than people are giving him credit for. And not nearly as mean as people are giving him credit for. uh, I don't, I just don't, like, maybe in Pioneer, uh, because of the sword interaction, I just don't know about Modern maestro's charm blue black red uh look at the top five cards of your library put one of those cards into your hand and the rest into your graveyard each opponent loses three life and you gain three life maestro's charm deals five damage to target creature or planeswalker pretty medium on this charm as, as as one of the charms it like especially its second ability just like a drain has always been really disappointing unless it's for free when you're milling yourself accidentally
1: <laughs> um, yeah i mean that second ability is like the final like burn closer but like you don't really want three mana to do that. And then, um, yeah, I mean, it's removal. That's it's me- card selection, top five cards you like, put but one cards in your hand and the rest of you. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like it's the second ability that really do- knocks this down. I think it's a good and- standard. I mean, and the
0: other two abilities aren't enough, right? Like none of these are like worth three mana by itself. And, and as you yeah. said, like three mana is the deal. And you do get to play Fury and Force negation off of it. And it's like more fitted to a control type strategy, which those are better in. But like, there's just better options. I would I would rather play a lot of cards over this.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think it's, it's like I could build
0: card. a deck around obscure charm to make it work.
1: I like can't
0: think of a deck that I would play maestro's charm over a thousand cards that I would play yeah maestro's
1: charm doesn't have any unique utility that breaks the card open whereas right. like obscure charm there's some pretty powerful stuff that can get done with it that makes it like more than a you know more than a normal three mana charm There's right. lots of three men options that have existed
0: right um the next and that that uh, as far as maestro specifically goes that we are we are done this is this is the group as far as vibes go I'm here. The fact that there is a second major Grixis character with a section of my name attached to it. I have Dander <laughs> and cats. I'm here. I was born to play this role. <laughs> um, The next, the next uh, uh, group is the Riveteers. I said it with both E's, Callahan. I'm calling you out specifically. Uh, Riveteers. Someone, someone got mad at me because I don't, I'd said Riveter's uh, instead of riveteers. And you know what? I'm not going to say Lurus correctly ever again, either.
1: I'm all about the riveters, man. I want them. They're like iron workers. They, they, they hammer they, the rivets. It's their, their, you know, uh, comrades. Uh, they, they're,
0: they're the union guys. Uh, they're out here boxing, fighting, getting stuff done. Uh, they're ran by Zia Tora, the incinerator. Um, they're a mechanic, their ability, uh, they also have some mechanics working for them but uh in the in the term the way that you know in magic the gathering terms mechanic is blitz uh blitz is for a cost uh you may cast this spell for its blitz cost it gains haste and uh gains when this creature dies draw a card you sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step so so it's dash uh, so, you know, the Raghavan now made famous mechanic uh, dash. But instead of it returning to your hand at end of a turn, you sacrifice it and draw a card.
1: Uh, I mean, look, Zyatora is a demon dragon. So it does have kind of those Jund, Rakdos sacrifice, you know, I'm going to eat my young kind of vibes to it, which I think is cool. And that's part of the, the dash thing you're talking about that. My question to you is this. If you had to guess right now off memory, not including the set prior to this. How many Demon Dragons are there in Magic's history?
0: Uh, All right, let me think. So I do have, I I have, I have a deck built around one.
1: Uh, While Alex is thinking, guys, we do this every single week. Normally, Alex is asking me the question, but in this particular case, I literally was thinking about this on air and I decided to ask him. So if you know the answer, comment below. If you don't know the answer, you have to like the video and maybe even hit subscribe too, if you haven't already done that. But uh, if you do know the answer, put it below. And Alex, what do you got? one malfagor that's the only one you are dead you are dead right he is the winner folks and that was our trivia segment of the show you know the
0: rules if you got the trivia question correctly you don't have to hit that like button we appreciate it if you do but if you didn't uh please hit that like button. um so yeah so so Malfagore, i i you know i've had that commander deck for a long time and i've like known i'm a big big Malphagor fan uh Interesting enough, uh, his his uh, his uh, My- Michael also had a Malphagore deck because the promo came out on his birthday. It has the like pre-release card pr- promo date on it, and it's his birthday. Though that one's not as pretty. It's he's like a weird centaur when you look at it that way. Um, a, demon, a demon dragon, very 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 particular, very specific. So so Zyator is back. He uh and and he is a six six flyer uh, for six mana three black red green. A very important casting cost for a dragon legendary creature uh at the beginning of your end step you may sacrifice another creature when you do Zayator, the incinerator does damage equal to that creature's power to any target and you create three treasure tokens now from a commander perspective unless someone shows me there's like some weird combo where you like win the game because sacrificing the right thing like they print a 12 drop drag yeah i don't like I, i don't think this is a Modern playable card, maybe in Standard. Like, guess like some weird Jun finisher. Like, it it has a lot of really good abilities, and it like immediately gains you value. Worst dragons have seen play in Standard, and I am not here to tell you I understand any at all of what's going on in Standard. uh I, like, I will say, I kind of like. I think this is my biggest flavor miss for me. Hmm. I kind of wish that the like Jun tribe being the like labor union workers unite kind of like group was less like
1: sacrifice for value. Sure. It feels like a little it doesn't feel that unique or different than like a lot of what we've seen out of this lately. It feels like they're playing into the same space that we've seen a lot of. If this if this was a card in Jund, like the original Alara Jund, I like
0: I wouldn't blink. Right. Like the other the other groups, as we get to them, do feel different in different ways. Like the Grixis and like Esper doesn't feel like Esper, right? It's not artifact themed. It's it feels a little Azorius. And de- it's like if it was Azorius and Demir had a child, which is fine. But that's kind of its vibe, which is very different than what what Alara was. Uh, uh, Maestro and Grixis, like Maestro is not very much about graveyards. It's much more about um, spells and conniving and planning correctly and politic uh, versus Grixis, which was like, I am unearthing demons, graveyard shenanigans, haha. And we'll get into, and in, like the, the Naya strategy is about going wide and the blue, the band, uh, the, the band strategy here, or the, um, the Cabaretti tribe is very much about, you know, going wide with creatures and having as many creatures in play as possible. And the brokers are very much about like uh, different types of counters on, on creatures. And like those mechanics feel totally different from Bant and Naya right now is about like big, five power creatures and Bant was about attacking with one single creature. That was the one that
1: was leading the charge in your go wide strategy. So I do think there's something interesting with Ziatura just for modern. Not that I think this would be a deck necessarily, but you sacrifice equal that creature's power and you create three treasure tokens, which means, well, I guess you'd have to have Ziotora already in play because there is a version of this where I can imagine yeah, you could do stuff like Phyrexian Soul Gorger and like big creatures like that that are you know cheap and and have high power, and that's kind of like a fling deck. There's also a version of this deck where like you are playing medium sized creatures that are valuable, but you have lots of pump spells. So I can imagine like you know uh, scale up and cards that you would play traditionally in like a like an infect mm. style deck, you know, or like the the Phyto Burst, the plus five plus five for two. There's a bunch of like one and two that give plus four plus four and plus five plus five. That like if you were to string a couple of them together on a good creature, you could be dealing like 14 pretty you're, easily. You're, you're right. So if if there was a strategy
0: that involved specifically you wanting to have access to court of calling like, and you were pumping one creature old style death shadow style, really? yeah. you, were, yep. you were going like deep on making a death shadow into a. 10 10 double striker or you're just like pumping one creature to make it big enough to get damage in i think this could see play as a court of calling target to fling right this
1: is a, fling also, I mean, you a also, creature. you also mentioned death shadow i mean there's also a version of a deck where death Shadow's in the deck and you pay your life total down to one or two and you just like sack death shadow end of turn and now you've dealt like 13 you know, you've dealt 12
0: yeah you have to you have to get the damage yeah but like that that's fair like as a tutorable fling i don't know like Please comment below if there is a creature in modern already that has an ETB or end of turn, the turn you have it in play fling effect. That's like that, that happens the turn you get it. If that exists already, then never mind. But if it doesn't exist, that is a space where this could see play in modern is. I think is, your, your
1: point about court is really smart. And I think also the fling effect here being end of turn and not costing any mana is yeah. powerful. That's what makes it good. Also like, the fact that you sack a creature and you get three treasures. So if you like court of calling this into play, then you're left with extra mana to do more stuff.
0: Yeah, I, I think I think like the you if you were court of calling for a six mana spell, which means you had to pay nine mana or tap a lot of creatures to do that, you need to win. Yep. And, and so mind you, if you've done 13 damage to something, getting this into play is going to do that. So I think as a top end of that type of deck, It actually is maybe fine as long as it also is built to want to cheat this into play somehow. Be it there, and there are, you know, a lot of ways to do that. That is not an uncommon way of winning in modern there are you can reanimate this with glorious vengeance you can fling you can you can quarter calling it you can uh through the breach it like there are ways to get this into play that do coincide with decks that want to make one big creature but you just have to do both of those things it seems fun it doesn't seem good i guess is basically what i that's that that in my mind yeah it fits a very specific niche i can imagine a deck existing that needs that very specific niche is that common no does the deck currently exist probably not but if in like the next ten years, eventually there's a moment where like, oh yeah, my, my like, what's the um exile your graveyard pump a thing six become immense, yeah, that's right. Uh oh yeah, my become immense death shadow deck like that's playing quarter calling for like all of my hate bears that like let my guy get through does want a fling effect. This is. This is your guy. He's he's going to be on the sides on the side of the ring being like, put me in coach. I got this. Uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, beyond that, I think like one of the cards, uh Jax is the troublemaker, which is the, the blitz card they uh, previewed was a four man, a two, three human warrior. Um, red tap, discard a card to create a token. That's a copy of another target creature. You control it gains haste. And whenever this creature dies, draw a card sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step, activate only as a sorcery. So it basically creates a blitz clone of something, but you can blitz Jaxis, And so for three mana, you can discard a card to create a copy of another target creature you control. Like, I think there's like really cool stuff you can do with this card. I think as like a mechanic, there's going to be some really like spicy uh, trick story stuff that's available
1: interesting yeah that card's cool
0: cool art too yeah it's it's a uh, uh it has like a kiki jeeky vibe to it but like slightly yeah. different you know um Great. and then the last part though is what i have as my pick for the best charm of the five charms uh that we've gotten so far and that's riveteers. Charm.
1: the riveteers
0: Charm. the riveteers charm black red green instant choose one target opponent sacrifices a creature or planeswalker they control with the highest mana value among creatures and planeswalkers they control Exile the top three cards of your library until your next end step. You may play those cards. Exile target players graveyard. So exile target players graveyard is a very obviously powerful mechanic that is that like you want it on other things. Otherwise, there's one mana or zero mana versions of this spell you could be playing. But when it's attached to something else that's valuable, adds an extra layer. The sacrifice trigger is the best version of like a edict effect you can have, really, which is the... Card that your opponent has invested the most resources into is the one you're getting rid of. Is it their five-draw? Is it their four-mana planeswalker? Is it their primeval titan? You know, whatever they've like worked hard to get to high, you get it's not always their best card because sometimes Raghavan exists, but often it's going to be one of the more or valuable
1: Regent cards or something like that.
0: And something, something that you've spent parity on, right? I've spent three mana, you spent five, three mana, like on like whatever I'm spending my three mana on, it's going to be worth more than like a random token.
1: Yeah. The interesting thing about Rimetier's Charm, and this is a, it's a hack, I think. Anybody who's played a lot of Magic the last two or three years, I think, knows this. But like, so the red exile top of my library until my next turn, I can play those cards. Ability is supposed to be, it's supposed to be 80%, I'd, I'd estimate, 75 to 80% as expensive as the blue version of just draw those many cards. But obviously, there is the downside or the drawback of if I can't effectively use those cards in the time. I don't get to keep them. So that's why it can cost a little bit less. But the hack is, anyone who's done this knows, when you draw three cards off blue for three mana often one of those cards is like, or two of them are lands and like, you don't care. You don't want that anyway. Like it's, you often like end up with one card that's kind of worthless anyway. So the ability to do this on aggressively costed cards and essentially use those three cards effectively, like, or use the two of those three cards that actually matters to you makes it just as valuable as blue. I mean, maybe it's 10% worse, maybe, but it's not anywhere near as risky, I think, as it seems to people. And well, I think that the it- fact that,
0: the fact that you can cast it on the end of your opponent's turn, the fact that it's yeah. on an instant speed spell means that, like, because normally these effects are either costed in a way that, like, by the end of your next turn is is costed high, or it's this turn, right? And until the end of this turn, do this. But the fact that this is the end of your next end step and this is on an instant means that you can cast this at the end of your opponent's turn. And for three mana, th- draw three. Like, that's what this card basically creates. It Like, it's like draw 2.75 because... exactly if you happen to get two lands you're off of it but then that also means you didn't draw the like there is a little bit of a scry addition to that yeah. where it's like oh i don't need to be drawing three lands over my next few turns so well, that's you get kind of, of that's one. kind
1: of my point right like if you think about think about what this card means in an actual game of magic against deck x against the field what it means is when they enter their attack step or During their upkeep, you know they have a Planeswalker, they're going to do something big. You get to react to probably the most devastating part of their turn. Either you can make them sack the Planeswalker, you can make them sack the biggest creature that's a threat, probably during combat. You can react to any kind of graveyard shenanigans that they're doing, which is often going to be some kind of good play in their deck, if it's a targeted thing or whatever. Or if none of that happens and they have a nothing turn and you just want to turn the card over, you just play end of turn, draw three, and now all your mana is available to you and you have three more options on your turn. Sounds like a pretty good deal for me on a freaking charm. None of if, those abilities are supposed to cost, none of those abilities feel, the only one that feels like it shouldn't cost three is Exile Target Player's Graveyard and it's because it's on a charm. But like, well, the other that, two abilities. ability is always adjacent to other things right? Like, yeah. like almost always egg like
0: graveyard hate or the graveyard hate that sees play is either free or is a, is an add on it's it's this much mana plus draw a card plus exile someone's graveyard or it's you can pay a little bit more to draw a card in it or, you know, or it's free or it's you know, like here. It's like this is your third option.
1: Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I think this is probably the best one.
0: I would agree with you. Um, I, I think like right now, I have to make a new deck that makes Obscure want to see play to see obscure for Obscura to play. I will. I could just put Riveters and Junt. Riveteers. Riveteers and Junt. Riveteers, Charm and Jund, just one of, as a one of. And like. Yeah. And like this is the perfect type of card also that you just like sideboard out after game one. Like it's like yeah. it's in here because it's going to always be pretty good. And then once I know my opponent is playing XYZ. I can pick the correct sideboard card for against them, or but this they're is a heavy graveyard deck and you want all your graveyard. Oh yeah, spells You, in deck and you, yeah, yeah, in you there. get a free graveyard hate in game one out of it. You get to like eat big planeswalkers out of a Tron or whatever, which like often you don't get to do in Jund. Like those are like your worst cards. to face as a Jund opponent. So like, I,
1: yeah, I, I really like this card as a one of for sure. The next card we're going to talk about before we jump
0: right into the Jetmere uh, group is we're going to talk about Elsbeth Resplendent. Three white, white, legendary, planeswalker, Elsbeth, five loyalty. Uh, choose up to one target creature, put a plus one, plus one counter on it, and a counter from among, flying, first strike, lifelink, or vigilance. Mind if we so look at the top seven cards of your library, you may put a permanent card with mana value three or less from among them onto the battlefield with a shield counter on it. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Or minus seven, create five three three white angel creature tokens with flying. Uh, jump in here
1: and say, I have a beef with this design, not the card. Something that goes back to Akoria, and I think it was a mistake. And I just don't think think we're so deep now that it's just what we do. But like arbitrary to- uh, tokens to represent abilities on creatures is a phenomenal idea it's very cool and i like how it interacts with removing a counter a counter from a creature or like creature that is modified with a counter problem is when i'm playing magic with friends i am never going to have the official counters that represent which ability sometimes i might have a piece of paper and a pen that i can do on the spot but often i'm not going to have any of that i'm often going to have i'm often going to have my deck i'm going to have a bag of dice and we're going to play and if there's more than one of these in any situation, it's going to be impossible for me to remember unless I'm paying such close attention. Like if I'm at a table of EDH players and we're all playing a game of commander and I, I, down at that end, you've got three counters on your creatures and they're not represented well, or they're scribbled. It's like, I have no idea what, what, what's going on down there and I can't keep track of it. And it's so much optionality that is very cool for the actual abilities. But I think it's, I, I think it was a mistake from a keeping track of what's going on on the board perspective. My opinion, what do you think? I, I, love the mechanic
0: i like absolutely love ability counters i don't disagree with you that i wish there was maybe easier ways to keep track of it that existed sure yeah but i heavily disagree on like the mistake statement i like i like absolutely love ability counters i think they should be in every set i think it's a dope I, idea that was my
1: point right my point wasn't that i because i said at the beginning i think no, they're no, very that's, cool, and
0: that's right? and that's why i didn't I like, was going to say I heavily disagree with you, and then I pulled back and I said, I don't disagree that there could be better ways to keep track of it. I have some solutions for you. One of them is making on your phone, on your notes app, a list of one equals flying, two equals this, and then using dice if you have six-sided dice to be able to keep track of which number. Another one is just writing down, Elspeth has flying, first strike, whatever. There are ways to keep track of it.
1: I, I, mean, I totally agree with you. If you're prepared and you have it in your deck box and you're ready, that's one thing. Was, but it was like a phone thing. Using your phone, not even using like counters or anything. I mean, it's you expect just, me if I'm playing at a table of people or even one on one to like refer to your phone diagram to look at like what your dice number means on a creature? that's I just don't think it's, it's all- hard to remember on a 1v1 game. The commander, maybe, but like, I don't know. uh Yeah. Like, feels needlessly complicated, is my point. I just think I don't think there is an elegant way for the casual player to keep track of it, I guess, is my point. I think the counters are very cool, but I don't think keeping track of it's easy. And for that reason, I think it's overcomplicated. So, just well, but it's
0: opinion. here to stay so with it here to stay it's dope as uh i can't say all of those words because this is a family-friendly True. podcast i love it to death <laughs> i want more Fair. cool ability counters i want to put lifelink counters on things i want to put death touch counters on things i think it's a really really fun mechanic it's one of my favorite things from ikoria i like love ikoria a lot uh so yeah i disagree with you i think it is totally worth the complication to have this ability in magic and Fair. i do wish that there were more tools given to help solve your problems because i don't disagree that that problem exists but i think from a gameplay perspective they are super super tight beyond that with this it's five mana plans walker so from a modern perspective not gonna see a lot of play the first ability the second ability also like just like feels like it's gonna miss uh we'll get into shield counters uh next because i think we'll jump over to bant uh the bant tribe because we i realized she's in the bant section with that ability the ultimate's cool it gets there really quick making five three three white angel tokens is a lot of angel tokens
1: 15 power yeah she does get there quick right three takes you three turns to create 15 power yeah she doesn't really protect
0: herself though if she gives a creature you already have plus one plus one and flying or plus one plus one in first strike she'll definitely help protect herself from a card perspective she's cool i i really like the mechanic but that that does bring us to the uh the brokers uh, ran by Falco and their mechanic is that shield counter. So that's, that is a new thing uh, that Elsbeth does put on someone. And that is a, uh, an ability counter goes on a creature. And if that creature would to be destroyed or take damage, you remove that counter instead. So you block any amount of damage. So if you, if you ping it, it'll block the ping damage and then it'll lose its shield. So you can like get rid of that shield through non-lethal damage or any destroy effect, destroy all creatures, destroy target creature, whatever, it it, it
1: survives that uh, the first time. It's actually very interesting to me because I said this to you earlier when we were at lunch today. This feels like an ability that I'm surprised hasn't existed until now because unlike the other counters I was talking about a second ago where they have classically been represented by words on cards. And so it's just, it's a new thing to represent them with counters. This is like something they would have come up with at some point, just like a shield counter. You have this counter on it until you don't. And it's existed in sim- there's been cards that have created something similar to this. There have been like you play this card and it puts a counter on this creature. And as long as this creature's in play, this counter, it makes it indestructible. There's been like riffs on this, but it's such a simple mechanic that from a new player perspective is really easy to understand. It's a this has a shield on it. As long as this is on it, it has a shield. Now it's not on it. It's gone.
0: So it kind of did. That's what regenerate was, but it was an until end of turn. Right. This creature gained not like an effect but it wasn't a, it was a token but it didn't like interact with the rules that way that if there were to die it instead is tapped and doesn't die and you remove all damage from it and it was just the this is really what it should have been like you get a regen- like it just because because it was a mechanic that was invented in like alpha it was never really worded correctly and they finally got rid of it and they've now come up with the better version uh, i do think it's funny because this mechanic exactly is in the first game we made as a company. So if you ever play super party battle, which you can buy on Amazon, (laughs) uh, (laughs) it's like a fun party game version of magic. One of the key mechanics, uh, one of the key keywords is uh, is a shield token that characters get, and it takes two attacks to kill them. Uh, It's a mechanic where there's no power and toughness. If you get in a fight, you die. Uh, If you are attacked um, and the, the win always goes to the attacker. And we had shield tokens as a way for characters to be harder to get rid of. Uh so it's cool to see it back in magic. Uh and uh Elsbeth gets to put it as its minus onto the creature or the the um the permanent she finds uh in the top seven cards. And Falco, uh who is the commander, gets to play with those counters. So one green, white, blue, bird demon three three. Uh, Flying trample Falco Spara pack weaver enters the battlefield with a shield counter on it. You may look at the top card of your library at any time. You may cast spells from the top of your library by removing a counter from a creature you control in addition to paying its other costs. So basically uh, when Anders play, they have a shield counter. They then uh, can do the, like, look at the top library, you can cast cards from it, but you have to be, you have to remove a counter, it can include that shield counter, so it comes with one free counter to remove for the card you want to cast from the top of your library, but if you find any number of different cool cards that have counters on them, both negative and positive, it can remove them, so it can remove cumulative upkeep counters from creatures, it only can do it from creatures, it can remove um, minus minus one minus one creatures so persist creatures if you have a kitchen finks and it dies and it's in play you can remove the minus one minus counter to continue it that also works with plus one plus one counters from undying creatures right so it gets the play in this really cool space already this is probably the second of these
1: that i'm going to build in commander but also doesn't state there is a version of this card that would have stated you may do this once each turn it, that's a totally fair version of this card that would be fun and powerful enough and the power toughness pro- probably if that version of this card was the one that was here it would cost three instead of three one is my guess because it would be fine as a three three flying trample for three but because it doesn't it, it costs four which puts it on, in line with like a like a Kai car. Like it's like, it's in that range of a, of a flyer that's got a pretty good, pretty engine ability mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, on an evasive creature. And yeah, I mean, this card's like, you just described a pretty, a pretty powerful, pretty doable type of engine that could be played in a format like modern. Like there's mm-hmm. th- like this, this card is, is this card could be in a combo deck. Like this card will probably be in a combo deck of some kind. It, it has vibes well, of, so it's banned,
0: but if you have Devoted Druid and top, you uh, get infinite enter the battlefield effects with artifacts.
1: Interesting. Because
0: you can tap it for green, put a minus one, minus one counter, untap it, remove the minus one, minus one. Uh, you know, you, use that green to play top from the top of your library, remove the minus one, minus one counter, draw a card, put top back on top. You can draw your whole deck infinitely.
1: Interesting. Yeah. I mean, there's, I'm trying to think if there's like some sort of a sacrifice engine. Oh, no, you draw your whole deck. You don't just get infinite cash triggers. You draw your whole deck. Sorry, I, may, I said that wrong when I
0: started. Because you, 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 you have top in play. You tap it to draw a card. You put the card in your hand. You put top on top of your library. Then you look at the top of your library. Oh, there's a top there. You tap Devoted Druid to play top. Minus, removing the minus one, minus one counter you use to untap Devoted Druid.
1: Well, so devoted druid in this card just those two cards together have a lot of applications yeah, right? yeah there's a lot of insane cards.
0: things you can do top is the one that lets you draw your whole library but any devoted Druid is just really good with falco
1: <laughs> yeah right that's like there's a lot and devoted druid is already half of a, of a infinite combo that exists in modern classically right. anyway yep. which people don't play as much anymore but now that this card exists this is like a yeah pretty it's pretty sweet this of, of the four of these for modern this is i think this is the the well, before we've talked about it so far this is this is the most powerful this yeah, one has I think it also like it,
0: real it does some fun stuff with luminous brood moth one cool thing that this guy uh this card does is it lets you just have Glenelendra archmage on on available to counter non-creature spells forever okay right because you can remove the all persist creatures get weird right like Glenelendra archmage lets you just have just counter target and sorcery available and then the moment you use it you get to then cast a spell from the top of your library to remove the minus one minus one counter so creating like a soft lock it's a grazing kelpie it's a three green blue Ah. hybrid two three Uh, you can sacrifice grazing kelpie for a blue and a green to put target card in a graveyard on the bottom of its owner's library and it has persist and if you have ornithopter as the only card if you have no cards in your library and ornithopter in your deck you can cast it infinitely what do you want to do with that i don't know but you can never die it's like (laughs) you'll be
1: trying Hornetopter forever you just have to have uh you just have to have a uh reckless Fireweaver in play yes exactly you just win the game just on like the old four card combo the strongest
0: (laughs) well no 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 it's a it's a two card combo because it's, it's a three card combo because you need a way to empty your library so demonic consultation grazing kelpie <laughs> and, <laughs> and falco spara um oh no no no! wait this is i mean this is legacy i guess <laughs> you have you have grazing kelpie sensei's divining top devoted druid falco spara and and uh uh in ornithopter in your deck and then all you need is the top and and uh, devoted Druid and Falco to go up. This is a dope commander deck that is not a mod well, it's maybe not a legacy thing and definitely not a modern thing. But he he he's really cool.
1: Yeah, I uh I think this card's really sweet. So let's let's talk about the Bant charm, or the it's not Bant Charm. It's called Broker's Charm.
0: Yeah, it's the one I think missed the mark just barely. Like like
1: Yeah, I, I think I would agree with you. It makes me sad because yet again, yet again, Bant... Has managed to not be good. It's kind of astonishing how many years and how many times they've designed cards in Bant that are cool that just don't actually matter or aren't good. Like, do you remember how stoked we all were for Tamio, for Bant Tamio, how mm-hmm. good that card seemed mm-hmm. and how little of an impact it actually ended up ha- having? It's so difficult for Bant to seemingly break through. I've never really understood why. They're very good colors. It's just... You just end up with you just end up with noble noble hierarchy. hierarchy. Noble hierarchy getting played in non-banned decks, though it just gets ends up getting played (laughs) in other decks. But yeah, so Broker's Charm, instant for banned colors. Choose one target creature you control gets plus one plus so until end of turn. If it deals dam, it deals damage equal to its power to target creature or planeswalker, and opponent controls destroy target enchantment, draw two cards. So Mm -hmm. first of all, it has draw two cards, whereas already we already mentioned Riveteer's Charm. This is exactly what I was just talking about. It's the difference between draw two and exile three it's just not as good it's just you just are getting less you're just getting less pop Mm -hmm. uh destroy target enchantment is way 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 more specific than exile target graveyard um it's still good obviously but it's just gonna be relevant a lot less of the time and the plus one plus oh until end of turn it deals damage equal to its power to target or creature or planeswalker opponent controls is like yeah let me just let you two for one me while i like try to plus one plus oh my creature like it's like a fight effect. N- none of the effects on this card are actually worth.
0: Well, uh, uh, I'll, I'll disagree with you. Uh, like an instant speed draw to like like Esper Charm has seen modern play. Not a ton. Not an infinite amount. But people have played Esper Charm to some success throughout the history of this format, and not just like in the back era. Like recently, Esper Charm has been like looked at as like, oh, I'm playing a. Three color deck i want to be able to do what we talked about force negation and solitude really easily off of a card wizard's charm is like or uh, arc charm is too hard for me to cast because triple blue is just like not what this deck it's like splashing blue it's a bl- actually a white black deck with some blue cards as for trauma seen play and this card is two of the exact same abilities right destroy target enchantment draw two cards those are the exact same two to the extent that like it's kind of annoying how similar it is and then the difference, though, is target player discard two cards at instant speed is a more relevant, powerful ability
1: than bite than a plus one. I just, plus yeah, zero I just think I just think the first two abilities on this card are like not abilities that I want to spend three mana for. And I don't think drawing two as the third ability balances that or makes it worth it. I don't think it's an actively horrible card. I just think it's, you know, there's always a weakest. And I think this is the weakest. Yes. I'm more just commenting how like that, that
0: discard effect on Esper Charm makes the difference between these two cards. Yes, that's fair. And and partially because like uh, people maybe not know listening to this, but like discarding your opponent's hand at instant speed. Like there's a reason they don't print very much instant speed discard. And it's because you can use it to lock people out of their draw step. Yes. Right. And and broker's charm doesn't do that <laughs> uh but it's so close uh, is there anything uh, else specific you want to talk about here go to the last the last
1: i do think it's the the one thing i'll, I'll just throw out there just because i like this card um discipline duelist i don't think is a card that's going to see modern play but it's just a card i always like when they design cards like this as a new player it always is the kind of uncommon that i feel like is exciting to get in a draft pack and it's the kind of exciting card that feels distinctive it's Disciplined Duelist. It's blue, white, green. It's a 2 1 human citizen with double strike. And it has a shield counter when it enters the battlefield. So it's a 2 1 double strike for three that has protection, um, which just makes it a pound for pound kind of sweet card. Like, I think this card's going to be fun to play in Limited. And I think it's the kind of card that uh, there's Balagad, Bre- Beastbreaker. There's, there's powerful uncommons that always, when I can remember getting into a new set, have stood out in my memory. It's because i enjoy playing them in like limited environments they always feel like i've gotten one of the good uncommons mm-hmm. this card feels like that card to me so i just i saw it on the list and i just wanted to shout it
0: yeah, out no, there's there's a there's a whole cycle so like it whenever we do the go to Z sets there's always this cool cycle at, at uncommon and that's what nimble larcenist the the three mana bird yeah. that that exiled there's a grixis one that uh It was uh, a previewed in China, I believe, Uh, but it's uh, when called a corpse examiner, vampire rogue. This is from Maestro. When corpse examiner enters the battlefield, exile up to one target creature card from your graveyard. If you put a card into exile this way, look at the top three cards of your library, put one of them in your hand and the rest into your graveyard. It's a three, three. It's a similar, similar kind of power, power level. And this one's cool. Yeah, I agree. Double strike. um, We haven't gotten the other two groups yet. And I and I I will disagree with you on your statement that Bant always gets the short end of the stick. I'm not saying it hasn't. I mean Bant Spirits was a playable modern deck, right? When I did a whole um like breakdown on Twitter on like what's the best modern deck historically for every three-color combo and w- which ones never have really had one. And Bant is one that had one. It, it, it it's just Bant Spirits, right? That's the it's like a I feel specific like, tribal.
1: Funnily like Bant, and now we're about to talk about Naya. They they if you compare them to grixis and jund and like oh i to some degree esper i mean i think espers the, of those three but yeah i mean esper as well it, they're just they don't even compare like it's, it's just funny to me I,
0: I think that well i mean i mean naya has burn like naya burn the three color burn has been the main burn deck in modern
1: for eight years right like, yeah it's that, not really a, that's but that's not really a naya deck i mean like it's, it's it's a boros deck really it plays ancient grudge what's the green card no, it plays the Tarkus command. Uh, I guess it did. It doesn't really much the anymore. Goes back and forth but... on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, it, plays, that's it,
0: plays, it plays. the what's the red green enchantment that like you can sacrifice to do stuff with
1: too that does damage. I think I know the one you're talking about. It doesn't matter. But anyway, my, my yeah, point is no, that no, no. no. I'm, those, I'm arguing those two about color it. combos are a little less powerful. I guess it always feels like I want them to push through, and they're never quite as good. But let's talk. Let's talk Cabaretti. So Cabaretti is the uh, red, white,
0: green group. It's the last one we're going to talk about today. We'll have two cool uh, character cards to talk about as well uh, here. But its main mechanic is alliance. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, do a thing. Uh, So at the beginning of this podcast, we were talking, does that ability exist? And I realized it is. It does exist. It exists in this set. So we finally have creature fall for the first time. Okay. Uh, So now whenever a creature enters play do a thing it's like landfall it's like a uh, constellation it's that type of world it's funny that we've never really had a creature version of it one thing i will say is it is very possible there is some weird there are many infinite combos that just will exist here for instance devilish valet two and a red trample haste one three whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control double its power like you could make a infinitely large devilish valet very
1: easily quite easily yeah it's
0: very easy to put infinite creatures into play like I- infinite ETBs right like uh, if you have like ornithopter and i think one other one like i think you can do it pretty easily so yeah, so that's that's the entire mechanic is going to be able to take advantage of that of that abilities. The leader is Jetmir Nexus of Revels, one red, green, white for a five four cat demon, which is also on my list of tribes that have a very high chance of being modern playable
1: cats. <laughs> uh,
0: and this guy, this guy will help uh, creatures you control get plus. One and plus zero, and have vigilance as long as you control three or more creatures. Creatures you control also get plus one plus zero and have trample as long as you control six or more creatures. And creatures you control also get plus one plus zero and have double strike as long as you control nine or more creatures. So if you have eight creatures in play and Jet Mirror, your creatures get plus zero, plus three, plus zero, vigilance, trample, and double strike. Seems pretty good. It's a lot. It's it's a it's a 4 mana legendary creature version of Craterhoof Behemoth. If you have nine creatures in play. Yeah. Um it's in as you mentioned for modern purposes awkward colors, but I like there are decks in modern that can get that many creatures in the play, but it becomes more of a board stall moment and if you're able to take advantage of this, that's a lot of damage. Now he dies to not every removal. He is a 4 4 toughness creature, but he dies to a lot of removal under the sun um but that is that is a lot of power i think in commander he's like overtly the most powerful
1: do elves play um elves i know have played collected company in the past the like the the ones that play yeah. green black do they ever play cord though they do right yeah sometimes yeah, yeah. they for sure do yeah so i mean if you were to throw this card into an elves deck but then again they just then they would just actually cord for crater roof, so
0: yeah yeah like if you're if you're a creator like well, I don't know. I think, well, if you're not playing this to cast it, I think if you're playing a Naya deck that goes wide, for whatever reason, this card is a thing to look at. I think, honestly, if someone figured out a cat's deck, a cat tribal deck, if there are yeah. other cards printed, this card is playable on that deck because it is That's a cat.
1: Three out of two one, the uncommon from Horizons 1, the Lord, like they all got plus two, plus one, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like there are, like cats will eventually get enough cards where there's like a conversation where they're as viable as Merfolk. Like like you get, you also get like Wild Nacatl, right? Like, that in these colors is great so like it's in the right colors for that i think there is play there i don't think they're there now or yet depending on what we see in this set but i think it's pretty pretty close uh and i'm excited the
1: other thing too about this card is like we're all thinking about getting nine creatures if you have this a wild the coddle and the cat lord we just talked about and you just curve them out into this card well now you've got like a five four like a, a plus two plus one so it's like you probably have a six four and a coddle, uh like a three two uh lord and a five four and like just be and they all have vigilance like yeah. you don't need i mean it'd be nice to have you know double strike and trample and all that stuff but just the plus one plus one vigilance as a pump on a four a, a four mana five four is already pretty strong yep and 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 like getting to the six creatures is not that hard on
0: the next on the, like the upswing right like if you curve out yeah. one mana creature two mana creature three mana one or two creatures depending like when you play this at that point you're now at five creatures you untap and you have six without really blinking and then giving them plus two plus zero and trample is kind of you win if you get to attack like modern yeah not have a life total that can handle 12 trample power coming at you regardless of what the creature type is right like that's the other thing is like six times two is 12 how many decks can handle 12 trample damage coming at them plus whatever creature like at at a minimum five six seven and if everyone else is a one one so yeah so so at a minimum if everything is a one one and you get to six creatures it's 24 damage trample 24 trample damage and that's if you've only played one one tokens this whole time Uh, yeah i think you're right like i think it gets in it like creates Trample is not to be un- undercounted. Now going to the charm. I think crab charm is the worst charm of the group. uh, uh Cabaretti charm deals damage equal to the number of creatures you control target creature or planeswalker creatures you control get plus one plus one and gain trample until end of turn creature create two one one green and white says and creature tokens.
1: Doesn't even create cats. And for one Shouldn't more mana,
0: cats? you get you get you get jet mirror. <laughs> <laughs> Why does not this create
1: cats? Well,
0: they're not a cat themed group. But Jetmere's a cat. Well, it's, it's yeah, Tora is a dragon. They're not all dragons. <laughs> Xander is a vampire. Hard, how, they're how not hard, all vampires. How hard it
1: would it have been to make them one, one? Green, I, I think it would be. I think they're trying to
0: say it's a party and not someone's like cat collection. <laughs>
1: I want cat
0: citizens. Agreed. I want cat citizens walking
1: around with like martinis and bow ties. Not like both flavorfully and mechanically a strict (laughs) upgrade. (laughs) Right? Like if it was a, imagine if the cabaretis were, imagine if the cabaretis were like cat gangsters. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Like, uh, like, like to be honest, I think
0: like, if these were cat are. tokens versus citizen tokens or cat citizen tokens, this card becomes one of the more playable charms in of the five versus currently the least playable one, literally with that small change.
1: And also because you would be playing charming cats and who doesn't want to play charming cats? That's, that's true.
0: That's very valid. But yeah, I mean, like because like the fact that these don't have any tribal consideration, <laughs> it's like
1: what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of a kind of a whiff there uh yeah I, I gotta say after talking through all the mechanics and talking through all the, i i think that the uh th- crime family design is very cool well there's two i'm pretty happy with it
0: there's two more cards we need to talk about okay at yeah, least yeah. at least two there's like a, a few more than that but the the, the i do want to talk about because there's the five families and then there's the the phyrexians are here so we have herbrask heretic heretic heretic, heretic Praetor, three red, red, four, four, legendary creature, Phyrexian Praetor, Haste. At the beginning of your upkeep, exile the top card of your library. You may play it this turn. Talking about that as a red ability. At the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, the next time they would draw a card this turn. Instead, they exile the top card of their library. They may play it this turn. So what you just described is what you're doing to your opponent's draw step. They, you get an extra card a turn. They
1: get 80% of their card draw. Yeah. (laughs) it is interesting it's a good card it's funny how it compares to the original Rubrask. it's another five mana four four with haste right it fits the curve in the same way which is fun um i think this card's good though i think with the original orbrask gave your all your creatures haste right that was it's only ability
0: orbrask was all creatures gain haste and all your opponent's creatures enter the play tapped
1: oh yeah, yeah yeah the second ability on that was pretty relevant uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think getting an extra card during your upkeep is pretty good. <laughs> a five mana four four that draws you an extra card every turn and then also makes your opponent's turns harder is pretty great.
0: Yeah, I think like I can see it as a control anti control finisher, like a thing you bring in against control opponents. I think this is a card that is going to see some amount of play in standard. I think it's that level. I think it's good in Commander, too, because it scales up. I don't, I don't, like, I like. I think this is worse than Urbrask and I, or original Urbrask. I think original Urbrask hasn't seen any play in Modern.
1: I was trying to see if there was any of the Eldrazi, the processors that you put the card, the exile cards into their graveyard that have flash, that you could do some kind of shenanigans. With. Well, yeah, there's
0: one right. that I think have activated abilities that, that, that do it, right? You could lock out your opponent's draw step with him and uh, a processor, I think.
1: Maybe. I don't know if there are any that have flash though. No,
0: there there are there pra- are there are processors that have activated abilities that you can do as an activated ability.
1: Oh, oh, like you pay you can pay mana to put the card in there. Yeah,
0: yeah like two mana, tap a creature.
1: And you would do it during their draw Yeah, 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 so
0: so void attend there is a ton of these. Like void attendant is two and a green, put a card an opponent owns from exile into that player's graveyard. Put a one one colorless Eldrazi scion creature into play. So three mana. Oh, well, so years. I
1: just so, so I I just <laughs> described, actually, probably what is the strongest thing that this card can do, yeah. which is that you probably, if you set up correctly, now, if your opponent has an instant, if they draw, like, a path to exile, if they exile a path, they would exile it, you would activate, and they would be able to respond and get rid of your herbrask. So, like, any instant speed removal that's exiled is going to screw you, but anything else is pretty good for you. Yeah. Um, that seems legitimately powerful.
0: I think that's a cool, like, a red-green control like a, i guess it'd be like teamer control and you're playing erbrask and void attendant because i think i think erbrask is fine in general right it's like void attendant that's bad i guess you want to play naya i think because you want to get pat you want pad the exile and prismatic ending because you want to be able to like yes you're giving that stuff back to their graveyard but you want those white cards to be able to take advantage of the void attendant that you're playing which is a relatively mediocre card
1: also, the Void of Time, it makes you one ones though. I mean, it's a win condition on its own. It, yeah, like, yeah, it's not, it's not bad, but you want ways to exile your opponent's cards. Otherwise, it doesn't do anything, right? You know what else you could be doing if you're creating useless 1-1s? You could play that other new blue card. That sick new blue card. It copies when you sack a 1-1. Yeah, Two mana, look at the top four. Now we're playing four color. <laughs> <Dope>. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Or is definitely worse, but it's still cool though. Yeah, I think it, I think it's a tricksier
0: card, and there's definitely cool stuff to do with it. All right. And now the last planeswalker, which we haven't talked about, which I think is maybe the best one in Modern, with Obnixilis maybe having a chance. Like it's a three-mana walker in like relevant colors that gains value. Uh, but Vivian of the hunt, Vivian on the hunt, four green green, six mana planeswalker, legendary planeswalker Vivian. Uh, For a plus two, you may sacrifice a creature. If you do, search your library for a creature card with mana value equal to one plus the sacrificed creature's mana value. Put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle. Plus one, mill five cards. Then put any number of creature cards milled this way into your hand. Minus one, create a four four rhino warrior creature token. So there's no ultimate. You just automatically get a a minus one. You have a massive pump. So you're, you're thinking, all right, all right, Alex Kessler. We get it. You love a birthing pod. This is a six-mana Planeswalker. The amount <laughs> of six-mana Planeswalkers that didn't cost Colorless and weren't cast off of Eldrazi lands that have seen play in Modern, I think is two. Uh, what are you talking about this is the highest chance of seeing play in Modern? Well, let me tell you a few things. If you cast Vivian and you have a three-drop creature in play and your opponent does not have removal, you win. How does that happen? So Vivian sacrifices that three-drop creature Vivian then finds Felidar Guardian. Felidar Guardian comes into play. It blinks Vivian. Vivian then sacrifices the Felidar Guardian. You then find Karmic Guide. That Karmic Guide reanimates Felidar Guardian. Felidar Guardian comes back into play. Blinks Vivian again. You then re-sacrifice that Felidar Guardian. Hopefully, Rick is putting this all on on screen. You re-sacrifice that Felidar Guardian. Uh, you find yourself a kiki-jiki. You then copy that karmic guide. You then use that karmic guide to get that Felidar Guardian back into play, blinking that kiki-jiki, going infinite. Fun fact about Modern Horizons 1. In it is a card uh, that you may remember, Ben, named Plane Bound Accomplice.
1: Plane Bound Accomplice. This is a two and a red
0: human wizard. For one red, you may put a Planeswalker card from your hand onto the battlefield, oh, yeah. sacrifice it at the beginning of your next end step. It is a 1-3. It is also conveniently a 3-mana creature. So if you have Plainbound Accomplice in your hand and Vivian of the Hunt in your hand and 4 mana,
1: 2 of which are red, you win. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, you definitely have to You have to survive all of the interaction that goes along with playing a creature that needs a turn so it doesn't have haste, right? No, it has haste. Plain bound. It is a Plain bound has haste.
0: It is a one red activated ability. There's no tapping. You can you can you can using Arbor Elf and uh the red the enchantment that goes on a land with Arbor Elf that can untap to make two mana, yep, 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 you yep, can yep. win with this combo on turn two. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and all of these cards, other than the four Vivian and the four plane bound accomplice that you're playing with, are just good cards. And you, or you only need one of them. And additionally plane bound accomplice can put to into play at instant speed and can put Sahili Ray into play at instant speed along with your Felder guardian.
1: Yeah. And Saheeli and the whole, that whole thing. So, yeah.
0: Is this a deck? I don't know. Is there a two card combo? It's in my hand. And if I untap with four mana, I win unless my opponent interacts with it.
1: Yes. But the four mana, the four mana, uh, rector that sacks to search for a planeswalker is not modern legal. That comes from, uh, that's from Battle Bond. Yeah. That's yeah, right. right. Yeah. I was gonna say that would that would just be too much. You yeah, can yeah, search yeah. for the with it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it would,
0: it would, it would also be very good here. Now, now there is Dahlia's Lancers, which lets you tutor for a planeswalker for five mana. Yeah. So like there yep, are yep. other cool uh cards you can play to help with that game plan. Um and and like mind you, say they have removal spells for parts of the program, a accomplice coming in. For one red, if they, if they kill it, you still have Vivian in your hand, right? Like they spent removal. You're playing a game where there's interaction. So you're theoretically getting to a later turn where you're able to just cast Vivian. It's not like you just can't like in modern six drops can be cast, but they are not good if you don't have ways to do other things with them. But they, right. if you can get to them, it's fine. And obviously this is a deck that wants you know, play all play, play Noble Hierarch and Noble Hierarchs. So you can have as many little creatures as possible to ramp anyways. Uh, to get your plane bound accomplice on turn two. So on turn three, you can go off. But the other part of that is like, say they interact with the creatures. You still have a six mana, six loyalty planeswalker in play. If you get Vivian in and then they interact, figuring out what you're doing, right? Like it's not like making four, four rhinos every single turn isn't going to be good or, drawing cards into other pieces so like she's has relevant abilities beyond just birthing pod i don't know that's a lot of insane abilities (laughs) really good no there's
1: a lot of yeah there's a lot of really cool stuff here for sure i think i did not know that this was this was building towards uh what you just described oh yeah i was uh, i
0: was uh i like was burying the lead for dramatic effect for this podcast knowing that you don't watch twitter as much as i you won't follow me on twitter where i've been talking about this all day uh i do follow you on twitter i do follow
1: you on Twitter. I know you follow me, but like you, <laughs> I somehow snuck if, this under the radar what if for you. Just now, when you said that, I was like, you're right, I don't follow you. And then you looked and I didn't follow you on Twitter.
0: That would be, be really
1: sad. That'd be, be a, a moment on the podcast. Right yeah, now. we would have, yeah. have
0: top 10 anime <laughs> betrayals. Um, so, so that, yeah, that's, that's, that's uh, the other, the, the, the planeswalker. I'm probably most excited from the set and so far, maybe the like card I'm most, uh, maybe like Xander from a commander perspective, but from a modern perspective, that's the deck I'm like most motivated to build out the gate. The other card I do want to talk about today, uh, the other, there's two other cards. So, so the next one is halo fountain and this is two and a white artifact, white tap untap tapped creature you control create a one one green and white citizen creature token for white white you can tap it to untap two tapped creatures you control to draw a card and for five white tap it untap 15 tapped creatures you control you win the game
1: yeah this card's pretty good there's a lot going on here i i don't immediately right off the bat when i read it know like how to win the game with it. I'm sure there have been people who have talked online today about it and probably come up with it, but there's a lot of optionality here and and it is possible to win the game. I mean, this definitely does something pretty good. So so. I saw you you say on Twitter today that you didn't understand why people were pearl clutching so much because of this card. No, 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 It's it's not this card. So that was more, there's like a very weird like, so Halo
0: is like a drug slash alcohol slash magic elixir in the story and there's been a lot of like oh how dare does wizards put drugs in my magic the gathering that's what i was talking I about see. nothing to do with which like star wars has spice like there's like i don't know i was a little dude, off dude like, like i don't i don't know if you can't no so does star wars uh, spice yeah han solo dumped an entire spice. that's why job of the Hutt's after him I mean, Star wow. Wars knocked a lot off of Dune, right? Like, <laughs> it's not <laughs> up to it an including giant sand planet. Uh, Yeah, glitter sim Spice. It's from Kessel. That's what they mine on Kessel is spice. The Kessel oh, run. Kessel he run. Did. There you go. Uh, well, parsecs. He dumped a load of spice, and that's why Jabba the Hutt's after him. Uh, some Star Wars facts for everyone listening to this podcast. But, uh Yeah, yeah. so that's my thing with Halo, is I think it's cool. Like, I don't know if you could do this era without a level of some type of substance for there to be smuggling akin to alcohol during Prohibition, right? Like, that's such a key feature. And uh, the thing with Halo Fountain is, is, and this is something that I don't know if our listeners know, is when you have costs for a card, you do not have to do them all in the same order. So you can, if you make Halo Fountain into a creature, you can use Halo Fountain's ability to tap it and then untap it. It, right. can, it can be the creature you untap. So if you have this plus one creature that produces one white mana, for instance, you can use those together to make a ton of creatures. All of the one one creature tokens. You can use those if it makes two white mana to make. Sorry, sorry. You can't do that for the first ability because you have to untap. For the second ability, you can draw through your whole deck. If you have a creature, if you have an ability to make this into an artifact, say with soul artifact, and you have a creature that taps for two white mana, you can draw your whole deck.
1: Right, because you on untap. If you, if you turn this into a creature, because yeah, that creature... You so untap, you untap,
0: you draw your whole deck. If you have some way to like make three mana, you make infinite mana, draw your whole deck, and then you can use that mana to make infinite 1-1s or and then make those infinite one ones and turn them into 1515s right so there's like it, it has cool breakable ways to deal with it it's a 3 man artifact and stuff like when Soul artifact has seen play there's the new D one that's like the one blue and then you can tap it for two wow the, i just saw i just saw an offer you can't refuse what's the offer i can't yeah. refuse oh yeah that was the last card i wanted to talk about so the last card yeah. we're going to talk
1: about today is an offer you can't refuse which is sweet by the way that like There's some really fun tongue-in-cheek stuff that magic has leaned into these last few years. Mm -hmm. This is what I was saying on our pre-show. It's so nice to see that there's exploration of tropes and themes that aren't just like dungeons and dragons. And now we have had D&D, like specifically D&D-inspired mythology of Lord of the Rings style, wizards and goblins and elves and orcs and all that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. that we've gotten into a a whole new world. Uh, And this is a specific line from The Godfather. I mean, like, and there is so much stuff that is you know a throw to crime families that it's just cool that there's a card called an offer you can't refuse it's just it's fun it's an instant for one blue counter target non-creature spell its controller creates two treasure tokens this is akin to swan song uh is what it reminds me of um however swan song is instant sorcery or enchantment and they get a 2-2 flyer this is non-creature for one and they get two treasures now there are some formats we're playing this for one and giving it will be terrible for you. And early in the game where like you have your one blue counter spell and you have one blue open and you've decided to like thwart what they're doing. It's probably bad for you because you're accelerating them to mana in that situation. But having this in a deck where you are playing control and you have lots of optionality and just knowing that you have a gate for one blue is pretty darn strong. Like like had the exile
0: seen play in modern since the beginning. This kind of does what yeah. had the exile does. It's different. Right. it It's at for one turn worse than path to exile, but for the rest of the game better at it. Sometimes at parity, it's for two turns. It's as good as path to exile. Right. So like it's kind of like to me, it's almost feels like reverse spell pierce, too. Right. Because it's like instead of them having to pay two mana to save their spell, they just get two mana. For yeah. later. <laughs> I don't know. I like really like this card. I think it's like it's like from a person what's the what's the ca- uh two mana counters arcane denial. Like I've cast a lot of arcane denial and like that card feels bonkers cuz
1: like well, also cards also counter target spell though. Any sure, sure, but it's two mana. I'm not saying this is uh, like, actually I, I, I mean my eyes widened when I saw this card. There's yeah, a reason yeah, that right. I I suggest that we talk about.
0: <laughs> I do think I think this is a card that is uh one of the best cards ever printed from a like Best thousand cards ever printed, right? Like I, I don't I don't know if it's a top hundred, I don't know if it's better than spell pierce, but I think it's in contention for better than spell
1: pierce. Yeah. Which I mean, it's it's a hard, it's a hard counter, is the point. Yeah. That's anytime you look at like you're trying to figure out the rate on one of these things and you have to balance out the cost, it being a non-conditional hard counter is the part of it that is the most important to pay attention to. Like this is just as good late as it is good early. In fact, in some ways, this card's better late. It like, yeah, I mean, obviously early you only you have limited mana, so it's, it's probably better that you in competitive format have access to a hard counter for one early in the game. But in other ways, it's better late because who cares about them getting two treasures late in the game? Right, right. So, yeah, I mean, this when you compare this to lots of others, it's one of the least conditional, right? Negate has seen sideboard play in modern forever for a reason. It's this is a good ability. Non-creature is a strong ability. I
0: think I think by a wide margin, it is the 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 most locked guaranteed card of any card we talked about to see play in modern.
1: Yeah, I would agree. This will be this will be this will be a staple because how could it not be?
0: Yeah, it's better than other cards that are currently seeing play. Yeah, agreed. And 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 does things in a way that's kind of insane. I and two treasures is good for your opponent, but it is not backbreaking. Like, and and especially in modern in a format where like. There are some there are some matchups where this card's terrible and you should side it out, right? Like, don't play this against Tron. Don't play this against any Amulet decks. Uh, anyone who's playing Primeval Titan, bad. Uh, but any deck that's
1: playing like one drop, two drop, three drops, the like they get oh, the three drop wanna, turn early against Tron. Wouldn't you want to be able to can- counter Karn? <laughs> Just give them two treasures for a blue.
0: Yeah, but then they get to cast Ugin the next turn. I guess like Tron, it's f- mediocre. Ugin? Yeah, okay, Tron's not that bad. It's good against Tron. It's it's bad against Amulet Titan, though.
1: Yeah, it's all lands and primeval and creature, things. Yeah. I mean yeah. it's just this is just another example of magic knowing what it's doing, which is so fun, which is like I cast this and I'm like, I'm gonna make you an offer you can refuse. Like it's just so it's yeah. so fun that yeah. they keep doing stuff like Playing that. Playing the
0: tropes. I mean, we got like you know, we got the we got the briefcase that's like handcuffed to your arm with the gems inside. We got a mysterious limousine, we got a getaway car. I mean, that card's also dope three mana for a haste vehicle four three crew one when you crew it with something return the crew card to your hand like that's like a people are talking about returning a dockside extortionist and stoneforge mystic to your hand you know like there's all the cool stuff you can do so uh, this set is so dope i'm like really excited and like already want to build multiple commander decks i've already brewed three modern decks in my phone in fact i'll post the list on our patreon for free for anyone you don't have to donate to patreon i'll just post the list i've been working on uh, to take advantage of uh, Vivian of the Hunt uh, right now, so that it's available when you get here. It's not complete. I probably won't even have the mana base completed, but uh, but yeah, I'm 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 really hyped by this set.
1: Agreed. I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome. So thank you guys so much for listening and watching another episode of the show. Be sure to hit that thumbs up on the YouTube video and leave a comment below if you haven't already. If you're listening on audio, we appreciate you. A big shout out to somebody who sent me a message just a second ago that I wanted to shout out tonight because I was touched by this. Movies The Gathering sent me a message, says big fan of the podcast and these new series that you're putting out. that is a fan of Masters of Modern and uh, is awesome. I appreciate the message. And he was talking about these movie things I've been posting, which is cool to have somebody who loves our magic content, who also appreciates the movie stuff I do, which I appreciate. And uh, yeah, we have an affiliate
0: code with Alter Sleeves. If, uh, if you just want
1: to buy Alter Sleeves cards, they're
0: really cool. They let you see the cards uh, you like. They go over cards like Inner Sleeves that change the look of your cards. Uh, they let you get really, really cool effects from them. And then if you uh, donate to our uh, uh, Patreon at a a level that has not been announced yet, uh, we will be doing a lightning bolt promo next month. Uh, so, uh, that'll be official sometime in the next two weeks. So keep an eye out for that announcement. Um, and it but if you go to altarsleeves.com right now, we have a, uh, an area that is ours that like has some of our favorite artwork designated. Uh, and then also any cards you buy from there, if you use the code, the MM cast, you get a, we get a, a little bit of a benefit. I believe you get a little bit of a discount. Uh, let us know if that's not true. Um, for sure, but I think that is true, but for sure it helps the podcast out a lot. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, 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 uh, this might be the last podcast I'm on me personally, Ben's going to be taking over for a little while. Maybe I'll be on next week. Um, but I, uh, will, uh, my wife is pregnant and I might have a child. Uh, but I will be a dad possibly the next time in I the next this podcast. couple of
1: days <laughs> I'm going to make sure I come over and get a magic card in your child's hand so perfect I'll, I'll be it, there <laughs> it's going to be a challenge to prevent that from happening
0: a lot uh, <laughs> on purpose um, all right thank you so much listeners thank you everyone for listening to the podcast thank you patrons for joining for the podcast uh, please comment and like below answers to trivia and all the other things we talked about and we are excited uh, to talk to you next week bye everybody This has been a production
1: of Time Trapper Media, sending podcasts into the future.